So about 15 minutes after last week's show, uh, it was what it felt like, uh, Nintendo announced that the Pokemon Go Plus, that little Bluetooth thing that I pre-ordered, was going to be delayed until September. Mm, I'm sorry. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if I'm really too upset about it but i think it's kind of it's kind of crazy like we were talking about the benefit of having a product like this ready for launch and how they're already quite late and now it is it's dangerously close to being past the time when the fad is over past relevancy basically. yeah completely mm. completely i mean and this is coupled with the fact that lots of people are really upset about pokemon go over the last few days yeah what's what's going on i saw an article on kotaku about this there's been some bugs and I mean if you take out the fact that the game is buggy and it's not everywhere that people want it to be um there have been some uh problems with a function piece of functionality in the game that was like the tracker so it showed how close pokemon were to you and it was meant to be updated with like little footsteps and it was a scale of 1 to 3 and depending on how many footsteps were beneath each pokemon was how close they were to you so one meant very close three meant keep looking around now this functionality has been broken for most players for a while and it just said three footsteps regardless Mm -hmm. so as a way to kind of i don't know not really fix it but deal with it they removed the footsteps (laughs) just removed it altogether (laughs) well you still see that they're what pokemon are around but you don't have an idea of how far away they are from you um yeah what's kind of defeats the purpose of having the nearby screen i mean i know what's you basically only have like a grid of Pokemon nearby. You just yeah. don't know how much like farther away from you they are. So they they kind of they did away with the uh, the problem, right? Which was that it wasn't working. But this outraged people who wanted the problem to be fixed rather than just papered over. I mean, and this c- continues to go along with lots of server issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and today I saw a piece um, on Polygon with the Niantic people facing the fact that they have these problems and that they're trying to fix them um, as a way to try and, I don't know, do some outreach to, to make some of the more uh, fanatical players a bit happier. I don't know. It feels like they're trying to make people feel better, um, but people are really mad. Frankly, none of this stuff bothers me at all. Yeah, I mean, I have you been playing the game much? Yeah, hmm. yeah, I've I've kept playing. We both, me and Adina, have both kept playing, um, and we enjoy it. Like you know, we were out in London this weekend, and we'll kind of sit down. You know, we're like walking around, or we're in a restaurant, and we put a lure down, and we catch stuff and we enjoy it playing it together um and that that's continuing and the, the bugs that they're having like they don't really affect us like knowing what pokemon are nearby i mean it never really felt like it did anything anyway like whatever showed up was what showed up so i don't know i, I know that it's upsetting some people but it's not affecting the way that i'm playing the game i i, I want to see w- what they're gonna do during the summer you know because it's already august and feels like there's only so much goodwill, you know, from people willing to put up with the with the problems, with the bugs, with the uh, with the limitations, and it feels like eventually people are gonna run out of patience. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I think that coupled with people just losing interest, is, I'm going to be interested to see what Niantic are able to do to try and curtail some of that. I don't know. We'll see. Um, okay, so we should probably talk about the. NES Classic Edition a little bit. We have been meaning to talk about this for a couple of weeks. This news came out um, a month or so ago. Nintendo, this holiday season, is going to be releasing a physical product, which is a shrunken down NES. It looks just like an NES, and they're bringing the old NES controllers out again. And they're going to be releasing this around the holiday season. And Shahid, I wanted to get your thoughts on why do you think Nintendo are releasing a new physical retro product like this? Because there's a demand for it. Was anybody asking for this? They don't need to. I think if you look at what people say about Nintendo and given their heritage and given the love for some of the old IP and the memories of the old systems... Also, given the vibrancy of the whole retro scene, 
Why not cash in on something like this? I mean, it's hardly forward thinking. I don't think it's a particularly imaginative thing to do. But if you're a large company with really excellent heritage in IP and in hardware, then why not trade off that, you know? Why not bring some of these old things out? I know we've talked a lot about Mario, for example, and, you know, whether he should retire or be a mascot, or as you um, accuse me of, um, killing him off. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I mean, you know, these people love these things, so why not? And it's just any other large company with a catalogue of stuff that consumers have loved they're always going to find a way of repackaging it in a less expensive way and a more appealing way and maybe in a slightly restricted way because you know what's sad about this is they could have gone the whole hog and they could have had an sd card port or something and just let people stick the roms of the original games on you know you know all right maybe not an sd thing you know but do the cards do the original cards but i know why these things don't happen because nobody has the old files anymore you know they just go and rot in digital hell somewhere Uh, but if they did it would be wonderful you know just being able to play some of the other games because i think the only controversial thing is will you get the game that you loved and remembered from that era and the likelihood is it'll be one or two that you really love but you you'll feel bad about the ones that they didn't stick in there I thought it was interesting that I don't know if you saw the the link, maybe we could stick it in the show notes later, um, where somebody did an alternative take on which games could have been included. I thought that was really cool. You know, instead of this, should have done that. Instead of this, should have done that. And it was a really informed take. And I thought, you know what? I wouldn't put it past Nintendo to put out another box <laughs> with the alternative set of games on. And they'd sell. Because I doubt... I mean, here's the other thing. Does anyone know how much this thing is going to cost? I reckon it's probably going to be around 50 or $60. Yeah, that's what I... It can't be more than that, right? Yeah. yeah. It can't be more than that. And I'm going to pay 50 bucks for something like this. Yep. I know I'm being taken advantage of. I know which buttons they're pressing. But 50 bucks, who cares? Clearly, Nintendo are making a product here because they don't have anything else mm-hmm. for the holiday season. No, I don't think it's that. You don't? I don't think it's that. No, no, no. Um, th- this would have been in the works for a while. I don't know. I mean, it seems like... A, and they've known they wouldn't have anything for a while in the holiday season, right? I mean, they must know that they're not going to have people buying the 3DS and the, and the Wii U with the NX coming out in March. And it seems yeah. like, you know, having a small, you know, having like an NES Mini seems like a way to, to make a quick buck, you know, for Thanksgiving, Black Friday, the holiday season. Yep. You guys love Nintendo, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, it sounds like you're, you're both accusing Nintendo of outrageous opportunism. At some point, you got to understand that companies are, exist to make money. And uh, sure, we can, we can follow the idea. We can follow the, you know, the romance of making video games, but if the business doesn't run, there's no more video games to make. And this seems like a like a you know good and I want to say lovely way to make money for from the diehard fans. You know, have a a new NES you can buy for the holiday season, and you know it looks like a toy, which is in line with the Nintendo's you know toy company approach. And it's nicer than you know packaging up a bunch of old games in the virtual console which nobody, uh, you know, or maybe not nobody, but not as many people are exposed to uh, as, you know, compared to having uh, this new NES for 50 bucks at Best Buy. I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to do that well, you know. I think it will be very appealing to that core audience. People like us three will buy one and maybe they'll be bought as gifts and so on. And at 50 bucks, nobody cares. But it's hardly... The greatest thing in the world. No, it's not. It's hardly going to fill the hole that Nintendo have in their in their Q4 um, holiday season, right? It's, if it's not going to do that, then surely they didn't do it just to plug that gap because that gap is too big to plug. Sure, but this is better than having nothing, which is what they currently have. I mean, all that we kind of got in this season, I guess, is Pokemon. 
right? Like that's all there is, like big, big releases towards the holiday season. And outside of that, like Nintendo, the company, haven't got anything. There's no hardware. They have no big games. There's no Mario game. There's no Zelda game. There's no Splatoon 2. There's nothing coming for the Wii U for the rest of the year. So for them to make some money this holiday season, they need to think outside of the box a little bit. And that box has just become a lot smaller. I mean, some money is better than no money, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But uh, I mean, maybe they're doing it for Mindshare. Yeah, I, I think they're trying to just not get forgotten about, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've got to have something. I think that this is purely to plug that hole in some way, to do something, to just be like, don't forget us and we have something a little bit later on. And they're kind of what they're doing is leaning on their nostalgia here. They're that they're making sure that this is something that the adults will buy for themselves. They might buy it for their kids to show them kind of mm-hmm. what video games were like when they were younger. Um, yeah. And it is a fantastic stocking stuffer. I, you know, we said about how much it cost. I have actually pre-ordered one. I'd forgotten that I'd done that. I, I had an email. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> a couple of weeks ago from Nintendo, and it was uh, it cost about fifty fifty eight pounds because I bought one of them and i bought the nes controller and i will again just uh push my top tip of nintendo products of buying directly from nintendo because you always get free gifts so i'm getting an 8-bit mario soft toy with my nintendo mini they just always do this i don't know why you go to the official nintendo store and you end up with bundles that end up with free gifts i've had mario hats and t-shirts and stuff like that so should i maybe buy from the nintendo italian website is that even a thing i'm not sure it exists maybe maybe it does i assume it is i assume it is so i just always recommend that so they send me emails and i pre-ordered it um so that's coming to me like when i guess whenever it comes out later on in the year i'm excited about it nice i mean i, I do i do wonder in terms of because this is the kind of stuff that i think about in terms of performance and accuracy, I wonder how well the games on the on this uh, NES Mini will run from a technical standpoint. I mean, they're just the virtual console games, right? You think so? I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is something that's just running the virtual console. That's the way I look at it, 100%. Why would they put more engineering power into this? Like, to work out how to completely emulate the existing games. This is just mm-hmm. like a tiny version of the Wii, which has the virtual console games on it. <laughs> you may be right. Why do anything more than that? Uh, for the sake of glory? I don't know. I mean, I, I was just wondering that maybe, you know, they're doing something special, but <laughs> I guess you're right. They're not just going to do the bare minimum work. I hate to say this, but Mike is right. Today's episode of Remaster is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. You can start building your own site today at squarespace.com and use the offer code INSERTCOIN at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace puts all of the power that you need into your hands and takes away the things that you don't want to have to worry about. With easy-to-use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you, because if it's worth the effort it's worth sharing with the world squarespace has state-of-the-art technology that they will use to power your site they ensure security and stability at all times you don't have to worry about updating anything you don't have to worry about looking after anything this is why they're trusted by millions of people around the world with squarespace you're able to put together a website that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level you don't have to have any coding experience at all to make something look and feel exactly how you want and with beautiful templates that feature responsive design your site's going to look great everywhere at all times they have 24 7 support with live chat and email if you need any help they have a commerce platform for you to sell digital and physical goods they have a cover page to build great looking single page websites and rock solid fast hosting and so much more they'll give you a domain name if you sign up for a year and they also have the development platform which lets you dig into the code and tinker if that's your bag squarespace plans start at just eight dollars a month and you can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required and start building your own website right now by going to squarespace.com then when you decide to sign up make sure that you use the offer code insert coin that's i-n-s-e-r-t-c-o-i-n as one word to get 10 percent off your first purchase and show your support for remaster thank you to squarespace for their continued support of this show and relay fm what it seems like here is that nintendo are cashing in a little bit this time, as they do quite a lot, on their nostalgia factor from their audiences. 
And I kind of wanted to get the opinion from you guys about this and about companies doing this type of stuff. You know, whenever a company gets old enough now, if it's been around for long enough, we start to see remasters, we start to see collections, we start to see reboots. I mean, like you look at Naughty Dog, they're they're kind of polishing up Crash Bandicoot to put back out again. And I wonder what you guys think about this. So Federico, what are your thoughts on, on remasters and collections and stuff like that? I feel like different companies approach nostalgia and reusing old content in different ways. Uh, when it comes to Nintendo, they've always they've always been kind of big on repurposing old games and old characters, of course. And especially, you know, when you look at big uh, titles such as the Pokemon series or Mario, uh, they've been doing their remasters. Uh, or even remakes of the original Pokemon games, for example, uh, when they did uh, Fire Red and Leaf Green mm-hmm. on the GBA, uh, those were the original Pokemon games. And, you know, famously, uh, the, the original Nintendo DS launched in 2004 uh, with, the, uh, with the remake of Mario 64. Uh, so, and in general, especially when you look at the, at the how Nintendo reuses old characters and also how they resell old games on the virtual console. It is the kind of company, you know, with this big catalog of old games uh, that actually age quite well, so they can still be played, and old characters, and it seems like almost, you know, they have a culture of not dismissing old content and old material, because it can always be reused for the sake of gameplay and, of course, for money. Um, But I also look at other, you know, other companies... uh, Maybe Shahid can can you know give us more context about his previous employer. But uh, to, from my perspective, it seems like uh, the 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 culture of the remaster, you know, to have a, an HD version or like a director's cut version, it's become more popular in the past few years, especially with the latest generation of consoles. And the way that I, as a customer, the way that I look at it, it seems like these remasters and these remakes are more like stop gaps. You know, they want to feel a gap between when a new generation of console comes out and when the real games, new games for those consoles are ready. And yeah. so we've seen all of these remasters, especially on the PS4 and the Xbox One at the beginning, all of these remasters to kind of, uh, you know, let the fans know, don't worry, we're working on new stuff, but in the meantime, you can replay these old games with slightly better graphics. And we've seen that with GTA, with the Final Fantasy series, we've seen that with the collection of the Uncharted games on PlayStation 4 before Uncharted 4. And what about The Last of Us? Exactly, we've seen it with The Last of Us, which I loved, by the way, because if you haven't, if you didn't play the original game, uh, it's it's a fantastic way to kind of catch up and, and, mm-hmm. and in the process kind of enjoy a slightly superior experience. But I have to wonder, at some point, you see all of these remasters and how do you separate what is a you know what is a, a quick and easy money grab and what is actually a job done well and also not not necessarily related to remasters or you know collections or remakes but the idea of backwards compatibility used to be like a default feature or at least it used to be you know back in the day something that people were expecting now you got to be thankful when you have backwards compatibility and companies, they often use it as a way to (laughs) make you pay up again to play an old game uh, on a new console because it's not like, you know, with all of these uh, changing formats, it's not like you're putting a disc from a PlayStation 3 into a PlayStation 4. You're actually, you know, PlayStation has the PlayStation Now service where you can pay to enjoy an old game streamed from the cloud on your console. And I'm pretty sure maybe Microsoft has a better system in place that lets you uh, re-download a game from your Xbox Live account. I'm not sure because I haven't tried, and I know, Mike, that your console is still dead. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, it seems like there's a, a general trend of using old games as a quick way to make money in the meantime, which I don't, you know, I do understand as a you know, um, from the perspective of a, co- of a company. It's just that at some point, I wonder, is it too much? Because with the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, we've seen a lot of remasters, like to the point where it was kind of obvious that, uh, you know, at every announcement from, you know, every major 
publisher would see a, a least four to five remasters in the past two years. And so I wonder, you know, sometimes you see excellent examples of doing a job well not just for the money but with actual you know effort put into it if you look at for example what digital eclipse has done with the mega man legacy collection on the 3ds they've gone out of the out of their way to to make a, an accurate uh, remaster of the original mega man games to the point where they created this engine to recreate the effect of old crt monitors on the 3ds display and they want to license their engine to other developers to kind of not just sell old games again but for game preservation and all of that you know all of that idea of uh, making sure the future generations can still look at old content, old games, and play them. So you have those excellent examples of companies uh, that really wanna wanna make sure that old games can still be bought, so they can still generate money, but also they're preserved in an excellent way. And then you have the other examples of remasters with you know HD textures or slightly better environments. Then okay, sure, but I don't know. How do you balance that? I love remasters i think there are a lot of reasons why they are done and i think there are many reasons why they are more prevalent now and i think that perception that you have is correct that there seem to be more so if you look at other media if you look at music if you look at uh, tv and film they are constantly remastering every time there is a technological shift there is remastering going on. And they have no compunction about taking your money for a new format, whether it be the shift from VHS to DVD, DVD to Blu-ray, Blu-ray to 4K, 3D, VR, whatever. They're quite happy to take your money. And you know what? There are lots of consumers, customers, watchers, film lovers who are willing to pay for the for the privilege of paying for the content that they already had all over again. Why? Because the experience is better. So in the case of remasters of video games, and by the way, this analogy extends equally to music, but in the case of video games, so long as the experience is better, I think they're valid. If the experience is not better, let's say, for example, in a prior generation you had a game that was running at 60 frames per second. And for some reason, a remaster upped the resolution massively. But then you had a drop in frame rate to 30 frames per second. That would ruin the experience and that would be unacceptable. Or sometimes, you know, like when you had those occasions when the difference between, in the early days, the difference between the VHS version of a film and the DVD version of a film was barely noticeable because the technology at the high end of VHS was rapidly approaching the low end of DVD and DVD mastering systems at the time were still not fantastic. Mm -hmm. That is the kind of thing you want to avoid. And so if somebody is being lazy about a remaster and the experience is not significantly improving, that's an outright money grab. But for someone like me who loved Uncharted, and I'm not saying this as a Sony fanboy. I'm saying this as a player. I loved Uncharted. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Of course I wanted to play at a smoother frame rate with, you know, with, with nicer textures and so on. Same with uh, with God of War remastered as well. Of course I wanted to play that on, um, on, on PS4 at a, a better resolution and a fantastic constant frame rate. These are the kind of things that enhance the experience. And all that's happening is that that thing that I enjoyed and loved so much, I'd like to experience it again anew. Sometimes people don't even play the remasters. They just want to have them. Maybe they have a quick look at them. But it kind of enhances their memory in a way. In the same way, for example, that I might have bought a CD, sorry, not a CD, a DVD set. And I never watched the DVD set, okay? But I still bought the Blu-rays when the Blu-rays came out. And I know that sounds really sad, but I have done this. And I watched the Blu-rays, and I was really, really pleased. I was kind of gutted up all the DVDs, of course. So there are, there are fans out there who will buy their favorite game again and again and again. And I would argue that so long as 
the experience is improved is well worth doing. There are good proponents and there are bad proponents in the remaster game. I mean, you're right to pick on Digital Eclipse. And I worked with them in 1999, by the way. I was their producer for Hmm. two volumes of games. Three, in fact. Uh, Atari Arcade Hits Volume 1, Atari Arcade Hits Volume 2, and then some collection that kind of, you know, was a money grab, let's face it. So I was the I was a producer on those and they did a fantastic job. I went out to Vancouver to see them and Jeff Vavasor and his team absolutely incredible. Jeff had attention to detail that was and obviously still is second to none. So one of the games they did was Pong and you might think, well, Pong, yeah, oh, what are you talking about? How's that an emulation? The interesting thing is that there was no code for Pong. Pong was not written in code. Pong was actually made with hardware. So you know what Jeff did? He didn't just do a software emulation of how Pong should play. He didn't try to copy the game of Pong. What he did, and this is insane, he emulated the hardware in software and then ran Pong using that emulated hardware. That's the attention to detail. So when you have people like that working on any kind of remaster, of course you want to play it. Another thing that factors in, by the way, this is really hard to replicate. And for this reason, I'm thinking about going old school, is that in the old days, the really, really old days, you know, probably before even you two were playing video games, if such a time could even exist, there were these things called CRT TVs before LCDs. Yeah, we were around. Don't you worry were about you? that. Yeah, yeah, I had a cathode ray tube. That <laughs> was how I was playing Look my old you. Super Nintendo with the TV that took up half the room. Now, So then you will remember that it was a different experience to playing the same game on an LCD telly. Yeah. It was less blurry. It had a glow about it. It was just better. Also, there was less persistence, there was less lag, there was less less issues with blurring. It was just beautiful. And I remember the first few games I played. I'll never be able to recreate those uh, unless I'm running them through a modern take on the original CRT. I believe Sony stopped doing one. They were doing one that weighed about 2,000 kilos and cost about the same in pounds and was not particularly big, I don't think. But, uh, yeah, I would love one of those because the whole experience of playing a video game is really important that we find a way of preserving even the originals, not just remastering them, right? So the technology has got better and better, but in some ways it doesn't necessarily mean that it's absolutely superior. And it's the same argument that vinyl purists will have with every digital adherent, you know, whether it be CD or that weird 24-bit system that doesn't actually sound any better than 16-bit and so on. I think that where we are right now in video game history is at a point that previously was only held by Nintendo, as in there being a vendor, a hardware vendor, that had and was able to bring with it characters that you love from when you were younger. Nintendo have kind of held that spot for as long as me and Federico have been around, right? Because that's when video games began. But now mm. Sony and Microsoft are in that position and that they have yeah. characters now which they are able to wheel out to the delight of everyone because they remind us of a simpler time. And both of those companies are now leaning on those characters in the same way that Nintendo has leaned on uh, Mario and Animal Crossing and Pokemon for many, many years. And we're starting to see more and more games in those franchises, more remasters in those franchises. Does this feeling of nostalgia, and that's what it is, right? They're trying to make us feel nostalgic to buy the games, to keep them going, to show them to new audiences. How does this effect of nostalgia relate in benefits or weaknesses for the company? Is it a strength or a weakness to rely on nostalgia to sell video games? Well, obviously, it's both, right? I mean, it's a massive strength in that what it does is it creates a story of heritage around your company. You can recall something from your company from the dim and distant past of somebody's childhood and instantly create a connection and a bond without having to say anything. And that's the power of branding. But 
more importantly than that, it's the power of brand association for when somebody is younger. You know, it's the reason why we love to have the foods that we used to have when mm-hmm. we were kids. Mm-hmm. So that's wonderful. And that that's one of the the more powerful reasons why heritage works so strongly. And it's beginning to work well for Sony um, in, in a way that it has, has worked for quite some time for Nintendo. So that's a definite positive. In terms of negatives, well, what it does, it creates momentum and inertia. Suddenly you start to develop a whole bunch of sacred properties that must not be interfered with, messed with, dealt with in a different way, or must be continued in a sense that it feels very much like the company is caught in a creative conundrum and a dead end. And it can, it, there can be a lot of pressure. Like, for example, Sony could have had the perfect show, and they had a very, very good show indeed. But if they hadn't mentioned Crash, people would have said, great show, but no Crash. You know? Just like how me and Federico get upset when there's no new Mario game. <laughs> right? And, and it's because yes. it's like, it, well, it's expected. It's been two years. Where's Mario? Or like every year I expect a Pokemon game. It can be a remastered one or it can be a new property. But if November rolls around and there's no Pokemon, I'm going to be mad. And that's because I have that attachment to that franchise. Do you like Disney? Sure, I do. Why wouldn't I? Okay, so what's your favorite Disney character? You can choose from Pixar too. Oh, if we're going from Pixar, then I'll go with Buzz. Buzz is so cool. And and quite contemporary as well, and can be reapplied generation after generation. But Buzz came about decades after Mickey. People did stop wanting more Mickey Mouse films. Mm-hmm. And people will stop wanting more Mario games. And the way that will happen is when Nintendo make games that are as impactful, if not more so, than Mario was at its peak. And that's the problem, because Mario, at his peak, was a phenomenon like very few others. You will, I, I, I can only imagine one Mario happening every 40 years. He was yeah, a phenomenon. He was a phenomenon, you know? I mean, you remember in America, I mean, he basically took over pretty much every American living room. Because the NES was just unbelievably huge. Remember, after the video game crash that uh, followed the nadir of Atari. It was Nintendo that came and took the place because they replaced the idea that a console was going to have crappy games with the idea of total quality. And they brought in this game that was utterly beautiful and without parallel and had feeling and charisma like no other before. And that created an impression in the psyche of not just that nation, but many other nations and those children. And that will reverberate for quite some time. But I promise you, as soon as Nintendo come up with something better than Mario, and they will, then people will stop asking so much for that. And they'll move on to the next thing. Here's a problem. If you imagine, like, uh, the fabric of space-time and huge objects make a huge dent in that fabric... And everything gets sucked into that. That's the power of heritage. And if you create heritage that's too deep, too long ago, it makes it very hard to progress. That's why it's so hard for Nintendo to escape the orbit of Mario. That's why it's so hard for Sony to escape the orbit of Crash. What they need to do is create a new dent in the fabric of the universe that's just as deep, if not deeper, than those two massive IPs. Let me ask you this, Shahid. Do you think it's still possible for our society to have the kind of phenomenon? Is it still possible to have, you know, uh, do we still meet the cultural requirements for a single game or a single character to take over our perception? Because I think it was easier in the 80s or it was easier before the internet and before... You know, today we have so many options, right? Whether it's music or movies or games. And I feel like I see a difference between when I was younger and when there was there were fewer choices and it was easier to have one stand out and make a profound impact on our culture. 
And I think today it's much harder to come out with a new Mario, for example, with a new single character that takes over for years. And we kind of saw that with Angry Birds and we kinda, we're kind of seeing it with Pokemon Go, but it doesn't feel the same. And it, do, it, it doesn't feel to me like um, the, you know, the, the, the impact on, on our minds will be su- sustained for several years. They're all, I don't want to say fads, but they're all much, you know, short-lived phenomena. And I do wonder if, in the, because of this, in the future, 20 years from now, nostalgia will, will also be different. Because will there be nostalgia for Uncharted 4? Will there be nostalgia for, you know, other games on, on the Xbox One? It does feel to me like we're, we, we are... We have fewer idols, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, with so many options nothing really stands out and nostalgia is for beginnings nostalgia is never for the best it's always for the first so what in order to create a first you need a clear revolution i agree with you completely the pace of change is relentless we've talked about this on remaster before of course and so the the light that burns twice as bright burns half as long if you'll permit me to steal liberally from Blade Runner. (laughs) And you can see that also in the phenomenon that is Minecraft, not character-based. But that's the closest recent parallel I can think of. Yeah, nailed it. That's exactly it. Yeah. But but in terms of uh, character-based IP, the pace of change is also great. And also, here's here's a problem with nostalgia, okay? Nostalgia has a much, much greater effect on the young than it does on the old. It's presented to the old through the lens of when they were young. So for you, nostalgia will be Buzz Lightyear. For me, nostalgia might be some obscure 1960s TV program that nobody today knows anything about. Well, nobody that's still alive anyway. Um, It's Land of the Giants, by the way, which is... You know, I completely recommend. So, brief aside. So, nostalgia works really powerfully on young minds, which is then represented later. So, the people who are asking for Crash now are the same people who played it when they were very young. Yes, there are some people who are younger asking for it, but they're just acting as an echo chamber for the people who have been gamers for a very long time and played it maybe, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And it's the same with Mario. You guys played it, what, 20 plus years ago? Sounds about right, yeah. So Mario is always going to be the most powerful thing to you, but maybe it's something else for today's kids. Yeah, Minecraft will be the game that they always remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. But it won't, I mean, obviously it doesn't have a clear uh, character, but everyone will have nostalgia. So I guarantee you within, I don't know, 15, 20 years, there will be some <laughs> voxel-based game that's sandboxed. Maybe it'll be in VR, God knows. Um, but it will do really, really well as a result. So nostalgia changes with time. Yes. And the nostalgia that we feel and we know is going to be different for the new generation 20 years from now. Every generation has its own heroes. I guess you're right. It's just, just I, I feel like when you when you grow older and in any kind of medium, you start to feel like, well, they don't make those games like, a, like they used to or they don't make good music like they used to, you know? Or they don't make the movies that they were making when I was growing up, right? <laughs> yeah. And 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 I feel like as you approach your your you know as you as you approach your thirties, you start to feel more cynic towards you know um, the industry of music and games, and it's important not to lose that perspective of they're still making good music, they're still making good games. It's just new stuff, and you're used to old stuff, so you either move on with the times or you keep buying remasters and remakes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to worry. These game companies, they've got you covered. This episode of Remaster is brought to you by Igloo. These days, people are using 30 different cloud services to get their work done every single day. Whether you're using Salesforce, Zendesk, or Google Drive, it's harder than ever to keep track of everything. But now, you're able to bring your cloud-based apps together in a modern intranet 
with Igloo's integrations. Visit igloosoftware.com slash remaster today and get your own free version of Igloo. It's time to try an internet you'll actually like. Thank you so much to Igloo for their support of this show and Relay FM. So talking about old stuff. Oh, God. Cartridges. That is an interesting idea for 2016, right? To go back to game cartridges, blowing the cartridge to get the thing to work. I don't think. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a cartridge. It's gonna be like a fresh card, like the. No, I would, If it hasn't got a hole in it, I'm not accepting it. What are we talking about? We're talking about the Nintendo NX rumors. Give us the give us the summary, Mike. What is going on? Eurogamer published some great articles, um, and I guess kind of the the big headlines that we should focus on are that the Nintendo NX will feature a handheld console that has its own display in it, um, and it has potentially detachable controller sections on either side. So when you're going out of home, you take the unit, you put the little controller sections on the side of it, and off you go. And presumably it's also a touchscreen for touchscreen-based games, so you can choose if you want the controller sections. And you'll probably be able to swap those controller sections. I bet there'll be some game-specific ones coming in the future or something like that. But when you're at home, you connect this base unit, this this handheld console, to your TV. I assume there's some kind of dock that you put it in, and then it attaches to your home controllers and to the TV. This is kind of the idea of what the NX will look like. So at its core, it is a handheld device, but it connects to your television to become the home system as well. Kind of, I mean, on paper, the console we've dreamed of uh, is going to be powered by NVIDIA's Tegra chips, which is a mobile, like it is a phone processor at the moment. There is a mobile chip. Um, which makes sense if if Nintendo will presumably be optimizing for performance and battery life when this unit is not docked at the home. Um, And it will use cartridges for physical media. Now, as a Nintendo fan, Mm. this is exactly what I'm looking for. The dream of playing a new Zelda, playing a new Mario, and let me just say it, playing a new Metroid at home, and then taking the game on the go with the same graphics, the same game, no, you know, no portable version, no separate version, the same console, the same game, is what, I, what I've been dreaming of since my very first Nintendo console, which was the very first Game Boy, and the Nintendo 64, or should I say the Super Nintendo. Um, it's always been the dream to have... Not two Nintendo consoles, but one Nintendo experience. And looking at this rumor, it seems to me like we're if if all of this is accurate and Eurogamer is you know, they're really behind this uh this uh report, uh because they've talked to various industry people and I've seen other people confirm what Eurogamer is publishing. So let's assume that all of this is accurate. It sounds like Nintendo is almost all the way there, but I have some reservations about this uh, NVIDIA Tegra news. And I want to ask Shahid, now, you've been around for a while. I don't want to say a long time, but you've been around for a while. You must have seen companies toy around with this idea of a unified experience. Is it really possible? And is it really possible today? We were talking about it at PlayStation um, way before PS4. So in uh, PS3's heyday, we were thinking about the possibility. In fact, I was on one particular brainstorming team and my team actually came up with this design. Exactly this design with a base station and so on. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's not rocket science. Now, if you're going to go for this route, right? Like, if you're going to go for the unified console route, this yeah. is the obvious way that you would do that. Yeah. It's the obvious way. Exactly. So, I'm not claiming any credit for this, God forbid. And, you know, you've just said yourself that this is your dream. So, in actual fact, Federico, you could claim that you designed it maybe 10, 20 years ago. So, um, the the idea of it is compelling. But I think I've mentioned this in a previous remaster. I think it's very difficult to get this right and there are several reasons for it the first is that if you have a device that's meant to be portable power has to be restricted in order to serve the needs of the battery 
It's essential. It's not about um, providing enough power to clock the CPU high enough. It's about providing enough power that you can have enough gaming on the go without having to stop your game after two hours and looking for somewhere to recharge the device. So your your uh, performance is going to be compromised. The other issue is that as soon as you plug it into a large screen, I take it you have a PS4, well, you're going to notice a significant difference. It's not going to look as good and you're going to feel dissatisfied. So that is a major downer for me. The, the, those are the two major downers that really, if I'm playing a game on this device and it has a good enough screen, you know what? I'm quite happy playing the game on the device. If you talk about those games that you were just talking about, you know, Zelda, Metroid, whatever, appearing on a brand new Nintendo device, I'm going to be interested, depending on how big the screen is and how close to a Vita it can get, you know, uh, in terms of form factor and and so on, hopefully slightly bigger even, you know, with a really nice screen, then I'm going to be interested. And not blown away, but interested. But if I have to plug this into a screen, you know, there's, I don't even know how many inches my TV has got, guys. I mean, it's it's over 50, right? And that's a lot of screen to cover. And if you haven't got a machine powerful enough to refresh that screen the way a PS4 can, or a PS4K, whatever you want to call what potentially the next device could be, or an Xbox Scorpion, whatever, then it's just going to look bad. And you're going to feel like, hey, this is a generation behind. On the other hand, there are distinct advantages. Shall we talk about those? Yeah. Yeah. So cartridge is cool. (laughs) I mean, I'd love the idea of a cartridge. You know what really makes me mad? Is waiting ages for my game to load. Yeah. Nobody likes to wait ages for their game to load. I want to put a cartridge in, start up. Yeah. You know, the other thing is, cartridges do really well in Japan. So my guess is this this thing comes out, no matter what it does in the rest of the world, it's going to do really well in Japan because they love cartridge out there. But we love it over here as well, so long as people do make games for it. Problem PlayStation had is we didn't make enough first-party games for Vita. And I'm using Wii in the past sense. I'm being careful about that these days. I've had some counselling. I'm getting there. You had um, very few first-party games. And as a result, people were dissatisfied with the range of cartridges that you could get. But with Nintendo, you can have a steady stream of excellent first-party stuff. No problems there. So cartridge is exciting. The other thing is, um, let's forget for a second that this is a typical console that this is more a handheld because that's what I feel it is. I feel like it's the continuation, more the continuation of the Game Boy line than it is yep. a continuation of the Wii line. Or the DS line now, right? Well, DS now, yeah, but the, or- the original uh, DNA goes back to the Game Boy. But yeah, I mean, if there's a replacement for the phenomenon that was a DS, I'm there. I'm so there. I don't care about whether it's console or handheld who cares it's going to have great games it's going to be made by nintendo it's going to be unbreakable they're going to get cool stuff going on it in fact i'm happier that they focus with that but allow those people who do want to play with it on the tv to do that but here's where i think they have had the utter stroke of genius and for which i am so excited i cannot tell you and it seems like the most trivial thing it has two controllers how many machines have been made? How many consoles have been made that come with two controllers? What do you mean? Two controllers sh- shipped in the system. You could say maybe the Wii had Wiimoted the nunchuck, but the nunchuck was basically useless on its own. Did it come with the nunchuck or did you have to buy it? I think you had to buy I it. I think you had to buy the really? nunchuck. Really? You yeah. had to buy yeah. the nunchuck? Yeah. Oh, God. I'm pretty sure I had to buy the nunchuck. <laughs> That's a long time ago. So what is the idea that it would come with this controller and then another controller would be kind of the way it comes. It's two controllers, isn't it? It's got one controller on the left, one controller on the right. But can you really use them independently? I don't know. I feel like they have to be connected to the system to be powered. Is it going to be like two halves of this, of one controller or two separate controllers? Like we- It doesn't matter. They're detachable. Yeah, They're on either side and they're detachable. So it means two people can play. People will be able to finally assume that a console, a mainstream console, and I hope this is right, you know, we could be wrong because this is conjecture, 
But if it's true, it'll be the first time a huge mass market console, and let's pray it's huge because Nintendo are due a success, have been able to play social games from the go on the couch. That to me is huge. Provided that these things do work independently of the, the system. Of there. course. Of course. You know, I hope someone in Nintendo's listening to me the same way they listen to me about dragging Mario out as a mascot. You know, mm-hmm, that'd be mm-hmm, awesome. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's one thought I want to I wanna leave you on, which is something that's been knocking around in my brain. It's like, wouldn't it be great if this is a one console that we use on the go and we use uh, at home? And I think we're thinking about something like Zelda, right? Like looking this beautiful home console game and how amazing it looks. But I would say look at something like Pokemon. Now, Pokemon... It's not going to stop. Pokemon's going to keep happening, right? And we assume that they will move Pokemon to the NX, ideally, right? That's where they're going to want to do it. What does Pokemon look like going forward? Because if Pokemon looks like how it looks now, where it's optimized for mobile, it's not going to look good on the TV. And I think Nintendo are going to struggle to make games that look right in both instances, right? Definitely. It, but that's just it. You know, you have to optimize for one thing or the other. If And as soon as you do that, you have a compromised device. And what you don't want is something that's weak on both. But what they have done is, if this is it, they are making something that I want. And I guess that's the key, right? So I, I, I take it that you also think that they should focus on the strengthening the mobile side of it rather than the TV connectivity. I, I think so. I think so. I think because mm. history has maybe shown for them that whilst the Wii was a was a, was a great success, the DS is a bigger success. I think mm. overall, right? Mm. Like if you look at the the longevity of the systems and the platforms and and how excited people have been for the Game Boy and the DS over its history, Nintendo mm. have made more of a success out of that. I think anyway. And the mobile space, the mobile gaming space, is pretty much clear for them now. Yeah. And, well, yeah, and also it's bigger now, right, than than ever before. People were used to playing yeah. games on the go because they have their smartphones yeah. that do it. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I, we've got an exciting few months ahead. Do we have any idea when Nintendo are planning to show this? Yeah, the rumor is there's going to be an event in September, October, right. maybe. So it's not sense. far at this point. And while you're waiting, folks, here's our little tiny new toy device that you're going to be able to buy the stocking filler. Yep. Here's that thing for Christmas. 